Welcome to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners. I'm your host, Maureen Warbach. This episode is sponsored by All Call Technologies. All Call Technologies is a HIPAA-compliant virtual receptionist that allows for customized voicemail boxes that can ring to your clinician's cell phones. I use it, and seriously, I love it. Clinicians can call back from their cell phones and have the office number show up, which is an awesome feature. Go to www.allcalltechnologies.com backslash group MHP and put in the code TGPE, that's TGPE, for $50 off your setup. Hey, group practice owners, Maureen here. Today I want to talk about hiring clinicians the whens, the wheres, the who's, and the hows. So let's start with when is it time to hire. One of the things you'll want to think about is priorities. Do you have the time and the resources to help onboard a new clinician? This is a big one. A lot of group practice owners don't think about this. It takes a lot of time to onboard a new clinician to get them prepped to actually be able to see their first client, to build their caseload, to help them understand how to use your EHR, your phone systems, your fax machine, and all the random questions that they're going to have. So if you don't have the time to onboard a new clinician, don't hire them. What will happen is they'll leave and it'll hurt and it'll make you upset and you'll have to start the process all over again. And so only hire when you have the time to actually onboard them. Also, for new group practice owners, timing is important. How full is your solo practice right now? Um, How full are the current clinicians that you have if you have maybe one or two of your smaller group practice? If your practice is not at least 75% full as a small new group practice, I suggest waiting. A good rule of thumb is that if your clinicians are about 75% full, that your practice can manage to have one more person hired. Um, Even more so, if you're hiring someone who's got a different specialty or niche area from the clinicians that you do already have, um, potentially you could even be at the, have them be at that 50% mark because um, a new clinician isn't going to necessarily take from the um, availability that the other clinicians that you already have have. So if your practice is sort of one similar niche, then you really want to wait till the current therapists that you do have are about 75% full before you start to look. And remember, it takes us a little bit of time when we start looking and we put ads out, we have to interview, we have to wait for people to apply. And then we have to, if we take insurance, we have to um, wait for insurance companies to credential them. So there's a little bit of time. So that 75% that your current clinicians are at are probably going to be closer to around 80 or 85% full by the time you actually onboard that new clinician. If you're a larger group practice, um, in terms of timing, uh, it's a little bit different. If you're expanding, then it's a little bit easier for larger group practices to hire multiple people at once, whether they're of the same niche as the current clinicians that you have or different. Um, so it, it, again, it's a little bit different if you're a larger group practice because larger group practices tend to have a little bit more momentum when it comes to the amount of clients that are calling to schedule appointments versus a new or smaller group practice. And so that 75% rule that I um, mentioned earlier is, um, 
tends to be pretty useful for those smaller or new group practices. But if you're larger, um, if you're expanding into a new location, you could potentially hire a couple of people at once. If your space is really large and you have two or three more, um, the ability to hire two or three more therapists, you could potentially do that if you're a larger practice because it's a little bit easier to schedule um, multiple clinicians at once if you're larger. So when to hire, you want to make sure first that you have the time to prioritize onboarding this new clinician because if you don't, you're just setting yourself up for failure and having your clinician, new clinician be upset and also you to become frustrated and overwhelmed. If um, you're a new group practice, making sure that you stick around that 75% mark so that your current clinicians don't become resentful and feel like they're never going to get filled up because you keep hiring people. Um, and also then large group practices is to think about the rationale behind hiring um, clinicians. If you're expanding or you have a need for multiple specialties, it's usually a little bit easier for those larger group practices who've been around for a while to hire multiple people. And so you don't necessarily have to wait for that 75% mark with your current clinicians. Um, who to hire? This is really important to think about before you put your ad out there because these things should be in your ad. And I have a podcast episode from um, a few months ago that talks about your ideal clinician. So listen to that if you haven't. But you'll want to think about one if you want fully licensed independent clinicians or pre-licensed clinicians or interns or if you're open to any of the above. What you'll find is that oftentimes even if you list fully licensed, you'll have interns or provisionally licensed um therapists that will apply. And so you really want to know whether that is something you want to consider or not. There are things to think about when it comes to having pre-licensed or provisionally licensed therapists or interns. Um, they're a little bit more work because you need to supervise them and uh, do a little bit more handholding. You also want to look at if your community needs that and if they would benefit from having a non-fully licensed therapist who's maybe at a reduced rate. Um, but you may be in an area where they prefer to see fully licensed therapists who want to see someone who's uh, seasoned and established um, or you're in an area where they would really benefit from it. So think about that. Um, specific specialties or trainings is really important to think about. And I like to say, listen to your community. If you're getting calls for, um, you know, couples work, and I should preface this by saying, if you're a group practice that is a specialty in and of itself, then obviously, you know, what specific specialty you need from that clinician. But even so, in that case, um, let's say you specialize in working with addictions, your whole practice, you can still find therapists that have different subspecialties, um, like different certifications. One might be a CADC, another one might have some other um, type of addictions training. And so what's nice about that is that you get a little bit more well-rounded in that sense and ha in, in case a client doesn't um, do well with a certain style of addictions therapy. Um, but if your group practice is overall kind of a general practice where each clinician has their own specialties, then you really want to listen to what the community is saying. If couples are calling and you don't have space for couples, you might want to think about adding a couple therapist if that fits your business plan. If you work with kids specifically, but you don't have someone who specializes in working with kids with ADHD or executive functioning, and you're getting a lot of calls for that, is that something that your business should have in there? Something we're thinking about. Um, 
another thing to think about is personality characteristics. Um, it's really important, and I think everyone would agree with this, to have clinicians that work in your practice set fit with you, that connect with you as a business owner, that will connect with the other therapists in your group practice. One of the most toxic things that you can have in your group practice is clinicians who don't get along with each other or who um, push back or who don't listen and do their own thing. And so you really want to make sure that you know what types of characteristics um, or personality styles work well in your practice. And just be aware of that during the interview process. You also want to think about other needs that you have for them. If you're expecting them to market or do groups or do speaking engagements or have any sort of community involvement, you'll want to make sure that you list that out in your ad so that clinicians aren't surprised later once they're hired. And then the last thing is thinking about the days or hours or timeframes that you need them to work and to be clear about that up front. Um, I've had the experience as well of hiring people even though I thought I was clear that um, for nights or weekends who six months down the line wanted to get rid of their weekends. Um, And it just means that I have to do some rearranging and again, hire someone else because weekends are important. And we, our community says to me that we need to be seen on the weekend. And so um, being really clear during that interview process that this is the position that they're being hired for is really important. Where to advertise? I hear this so much. I think at least once a day I hear, where do you find your ideal therapists that work in your practice? And there's a lot of there's a lot of places you can look. It's like today, um, you can post it on Facebook. You can make Facebook ads. You can have a tab on your website for employment opportunities. You can list them on job boards like um, Indeed or Monster. You can ask other colleagues. You can go to a local Yahoo listserv. Um, A lot of cities have a listserv on Yahoo. Um, You can kind of Google and see if your area has it. Um, LinkedIn, people have had success with Craigslist. I mean, there's a lot of places that you can advertise. Um, What I find as kind of like my pro tip is because we're all in different areas, what pops up on um, Google at the top of the page varies depending on where you're at. Like here in Chicago, Indeed is usually one of the, one of the top things that pops up. So Indeed is pretty a uh, pretty helpful thing for us to use. But Google what you want your ideal clinician to Google to find your job position and see what pops up. And those top sites are the ones that you'll want to put your ad in because that's likely where they're going to click on to find your job. Um But also think about what you're looking for. That'll guide you on where you need to search. Like if you're looking for someone who is provisionally licensed, then um, using your local master's or uh, doctorate um, uh, grad school might be helpful. If you're looking for someone who's seasoned, probably checking with other private practice owners who have friends who are looking to get into private practice who are seasoned is a good place to look. So there's a lot of places to look when it comes to advertising. And the little gem is to Google what your ideal clinician is is going to Google to find you and to make sure that you're posting in those top places on Google. Um, interviewing. So once you find, you put your ad out there, a couple people are applying and right after looking at their resume and cover letters, you're interested in them. Now what do you do? 
I first discard any resumes that don't meet my minimum requirements. And I've seen way too many people that um, feel like they're not going to get their ideal clinician. And so they just start interviewing people that don't have all the requirements that they want. Like they start interviewing the provisionally licensed therapist, even though they wanted a seasoned fully licensed therapist or they were looking for a couples therapist and this person uh, works with individuals or whatever, right? Or they are looking for someone who can work 20 hours plus, but this person said part-time. Um, really throw away any resumes that don't meet your minimum requirements. And that's why you should be thinking about those minimum requirements that are non-negotiable ahead of time so that you don't feel pressured into um, interviewing these people that don't meet those minimum requirements. Remember, your time is valuable and you don't want to be wasting time interviewing people that aren't going to be a good fit. And then um, secondly, you'll want to contact those who are interested and then to set up an interview. What I like to do is kind of set this up into three phases, the interview process, phase one being a phone interview. And um, this is really, you want to just verify that the minimum requirements that you have that they're being met by this person before you waste your time and their time on a formal interview. So I also like to use this time to check on conversational skills and get a feel for your own intuition based off of that you know, phone interview. And so again, phase one is really one to see if they have good conversation skills. Obviously, they need to have that if they're talking with clients. Um, two, you want to be able to make sure that they actually meet your minimum requirements so that you're not wasting each other's time. And then phase two is the in-person interview. And um, if you have a supervisor or a clinical director, I always, um, I have a clinical director and she does the second interview. Um, and so if she feels comfortable after that second interview, um, then it'll go to me, which is the the phase three. If you do not have a clinical director or supervisor, your Um, phase two should be an interview with you where you meet with them and talk about all the other expectations you have. You talk about what's unique about your, your private practice. You talk about your expectations. You can talk about what they can expect from you as the business owner. Talk about the, um, nuances of private practice, especially if they're new to private practice, because it's a, it's always a lot different than what they should expect hiring expectations, their, uh, how quickly they'll fill up, all of that should be discussed. And then phase three, if you don't have a supervisor or clinical director, should be another interview with, with current clinicians that you have. So obviously, if this is your first clinician that you're hiring, you'll only have two phases. But if you have even one clinician that already works at your practice, phase three should be an interview with that clinician or a couple of those clinicians so that they can get a sense of, you know, they're not a boss. You're looking at it from a specific angle. Your clinicians will be looking at it from a different angle and they might see something that you don't. Um, maybe uh, the connection between colleagues is feels weird to them. Or maybe they say something, you know, that they wouldn't necessarily say to their supervisor or boss, but they say that during the interview process with other clinicians who work for your business. Um, And so that should be phase three. And then during that time, you can do background uh, checks. You can check references um, and just make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's. And then if all goes well, phase one, phase two, and phase three feel good to you, then you hire that person. 
All right. So I've kind of gone over the when to hire, the the who to hire, where to advertise, and then how to interview that person. And in a few weeks, I'll have my next step on onboarding that clinician. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to the Group Practice Exchange.